Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Hope Life Podcast, a podcast that allows you to hear the hearts of Hope Church pastors and leaders through real conversations about life, ministry, vision, and goals, or some of the exciting ways that God is working through their specific ministry or congregation. This is a great resource for our church family, and we're so glad that you're taking the time to listen to today's episode. Hopefully, we will all leave today's conversation more inspired to passionately follow Jesus and make Him visible as together we live the hope life. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Hope Life Podcast. Uh, Our prayer is that you're having an incredible day. And it's our joy and our honor to come to you today for another conversation. Unfortunately, we're running a little bit behind on the release of this episode. Uh, I've been confronting some health issues, but I feel great today. And I'm encouraged to be with you uh, to have another great conversation with another uh, great Hope Church leader. Hey, the good news is you're safe to listen to this podcast without fear of catching the coronavirus. You don't even need hand sanitizer. You can listen and all will be well. Uh, Today, I'm going to be sitting down with Jonathan Wright. How's it going, Jonathan? It's going pretty good. I'm glad that I don't have the corona currently. So that's, I'm I'm just in here with you and we don't have to worry about getting each other sick or anything like that. Yeah, that's a blessing, isn't it? I'm thankful. Uh, Jonathan is the student director here at Hope Church Danville. Mm -hmm. And today, uh, we're going to invite you into a conversation that we've been having really for the past little while which is about um, the importance of parenting and the next generation and reaching our teenagers' hearts with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, Jonathan, I just read yesterday, as a matter of fact, that uh, currently about 70% of young people, when they come of age, they walk away from the church Mm -hmm. um, by all indications never to return again. I don't know that there's been enough time laps for us to really know what number of them will eventually come back. Right. But as of right now, about 70% walk away and uh, that's heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you, you're watching as they just continue to walk away from the church and you're thinking, is there something that we could have done? Is there something we could have, you know, changed or adjusted to make it to where they, they come back or something like that. But a lot of it is that they're dealing with so much influence from the outside that we don't even understand or that we don't we didn't experience growing up like they did it's the the generation now they're dealing with so much more input from so many other sources and you know that can be due to social media or just the internet itself but they're having so much input and information from other places that we may not even know about and we're continuing to see that trend where they just walk out the doors and they don't come back. And it is, it is heartbreaking. And so you, you just kind of have to look at it and be like, all right, we have to evaluate what student ministry looks like and what it looks like to partner with the families and everything like that now to approach it. Right. I think part of the issue is the culture is reaching their hearts, Mm -hmm. captivating their hearts, the church and Christianity is not. Right. And um, I think what we're realizing is it's a heart issue. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this article that I was reading went on to say that attractional youth ministry, student ministry is not enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I remember the day when 
if you wanted to have a crowd of teenagers, <laughs> all you needed to do was announce that you were having a pizza party. Right. And man, you would have every teenager from everywhere. But now, you know, we can eat pizza every day. It's not attractive anymore. That that has changed. I remember when, you know, you could offer an activity. Hey, we're going to be going to King's Dominion or Carowinds right. and you would have to rent extra vans. <laughs> now families are traveling every week, every weekend. It's no big deal. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, you know, our kids are experiencing less and less because you can go to the Grand Canyon and they'll be looking at their cell phone. Yep. And it, and you know, the thing too, is that kids now, when they, when they come to students, like you said, they're experiencing all of these things outside of youth group that it used to be more attractive for them when they would show up like the pizza or uh, going to a, some crazy event or to some trip. But now they're like, we can do this whenever we want. We do this with our friends all of the time. But what they're wanting now is they're, they're wanting their questions answered. You know, they're, we've kind of ended up seeing this culture get built where youth groups uh, were kind of like, okay, this is where we come to have fun. And we'll talk a little bit about the Bible, you know, like, but we're not going to talk about it so much that it's going to scare you, you know? And so suddenly you're sitting there thinking, how did we end up with so many teens that walked away from the church or so many teens that didn't understand scripture? And it's because it wasn't getting taught to them. You know, they would be like, Hey, how do I deal with my parents' divorce? Or how do I deal with, some sort of family drama and you'd have a guy who's like, Oh, I don't, I don't know, but here's an extra serving of pizza. And you know, right. this kid is sitting there eating pizza. Like you didn't answer my question at all. And I'm just left feeling empty spiritually. So, you know, it's, it is a big problem. And now we're seeing that change where these kids, they're like, we don't, we can have the pizza. We can have the party. We can have all of the, the good times without church. But what they can't get outside of church is understanding about what the purpose of life is. And so that's where their questions are coming in. Well, I think, you know, I think in student ministry, what I saw growing up and what I've even seen over my years uh, as a pastor is there's actually two ditches. Um, And I think both have led to a lot of young people walking away. The one ditch is legalism Mm -hmm. and the opposite ditch is liberty. And I think what happened, you know, in student ministry, it was every week we're going to basically rip their faces off. (laughs) We're going to, I remember, you know, going to youth conferences or camps where we were sinful by virtue of the fact that we were young. Hmm. Yep. You know, we were, you know, we were preached to, um, they, they, they tried scare tactics. Um, you know, kids were repeatedly repenting and asking Jesus Mm -hmm. to be their savior. And then, you know, you would ask Jesus to save you and literally seconds later be doubting. You know, no one talked to us about the fact that our sexual feelings were the result of hormones in our body. Mm -hmm. No, it was sin. Um, No one talked to us about the fact that, you know, becoming a teenage boy and and maybe being a little defiant with your parents was all a process, a part of the process of becoming a man. Right, right. No one talked to us. No one talked to young girls about their bodies and developing and young girls were, were shamed mm-hmm. because they were growing up. It was nature right. taking place. No one ever talked to us about that. It was legalism. Then on the other hand, there was what you were describing a moment ago, there was Liberty mm-hmm. and it was simply, um, Hey, your teenagers, 
everything's allowed. No need to have the hard conversations. We're not going to look at the difficult passages in Scripture. We're going to teach you as if you are um, diet church. Mm -hmm. You know, the adults, they're the full strength church. (laughs) You're teenagers. You're the diet church. And we told them so much so that they were going to be the church of tomorrow that tomorrow never came. Right. And uh, so I think there was legalism and there was liberty. And and those two ditches led to a mass exodus of young people. Um, And speaking about answering kids' questions, uh, one of the pastors that I love, he's a dear friend of mine. uh, His name is Lance. And Lance is a pastor of a Calvary Chapel in La Habra, California. I call Lance Yoda. Uh, Almost everything he says is wise. You know, the Bible says uh, in the Old Testament, there was a man named Ahithophel. And that you don't hear that name every day. And when Ahithophel would speak, it was as the oracles of God. Ahithophel, everything he said sounded like this should be from God. <laughs> right, right. Lance is a lot like that. <laughs> you know, when he says things, thankfully, he's not like Ahithophel. He's actually quoting scripture and, and sharing godly wisdom. And he's probably glad that his name isn't that. You yes, know, it's, Lance it's instead of Ahithophel. Yeah. <laughs> well, he is a, he was a, a surfer guy. He still likes to surf. There you go. And, and so... I think Lance is cooler than a hit. It fits but. the whole the whole vibe better. Yeah. As as the students say, the yes. vibe. Yes. But a Hithafell <laughs> boards might might carry a little Hey, that, yeah, that's, that's kind of we'll we'll get on that. <laughs> yeah. So um so anyway, Lance said recently, you know, and they're a church of a few thousand. Mm-hmm. He he called me up and he said, Hey, I know the reason kids are leaving the church. Hmm. Well, man, that statement had my attention. Right. You're like, please tell me. <laughs> yes, do tell. He said, kids want their questions answered. Mm-hmm. So he started this thing in their cafe. By the way, he's speaking about the church cafe. And then the next <laughs> few words out of his mouth is, you know, we're having like 300 young people show up. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that that would be our auditorium. But, you know, they're, they're coming so that he can answer their questions. Mm-hmm. And if he can't answer the question, he's like, you know, let me let me dig into that. He's being honest with him about the fact. I can't answer this question right now. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm glad that you brought that up because I think what parents need to hear and what student pastors need to hear is we need to be approaching young people differently, Mm -hmm. given that the culture is different. Are you experiencing that in student ministry? And what are you doing, Jonathan, that's different than maybe you even thought student ministry would be? Well, you know, one of the, I mean, definitely we, we are actively trying to partner with the parents more. We talk about it all the time, how in kids ministry and student ministry, we want to partner with the parents. And so when I first took this on, I was like, okay, I'm not a parent, you know, I'm, I'm not in that phase of my life yet. So what does it look like for me to partner with people that are in that phase already? And so, you know, the first thing we've we've talked about this verse all the time in Deuteronomy six, where uh, it says, listen, Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord, your God, with all of your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength. Those uh, these words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on the city gates. And so right there, what we're talking about is the fact that the parents, 
this is something that they're supposed to be living their whole life for is discipling mm-hmm. their kids. And so I think there was this misconception for a long time that, you know, the youth pastor or the youth director was supposed to be the one that was able to fix all of the problems. And what it actually looks like is that we're supposed to be partnering with the families. We're supposed to be helping equip them for when they're at home. And uh, I was having the conversation with a, with a youth pastor who's much wiser than myself, you know, and he said, I'm supposed to be the guy that when I say something during a lesson, the teen is supposed to think, hmm, my parents already said that this mm. past week. You know, it's supposed to not be like, hey, you know, I've got to you know, go home and try to figure out if my parents think the same thing or not. It should be I'm reinforcing what they're already getting at home. And so. So what I hear you saying is the parents are to be the primary disciplers. Absolutely. And it's so important. And so I, I think that now, you know, we've talked about how different culture looks for, for the students now. And we're seeing a divorce rate that's extremely high, and we've got a lot of family uh, dynamics that have been shifting and changing. And so it's it can be really difficult for a student when they're trying to figure out, okay, where where is God in all of this? What does that look like? And in fact, this past week, we just went over uh, several scriptures, and we looked at what it looks like to deal with divorce and family drama biblically and what it looks like to find peace in your home. And that was a really awesome discussion to see how different family dynamics are for just the, just the group of students that we have here. But parents are to be the main disciplers of their kids. Okay, so here's the hard question, mm-hmm. and I want you to answer honestly. All right. How rarely is that happening? <laughs> uh, it's very rare. It's very rare. When you do run across parents that are doing it, it's like hitting a gold mine. You're mm. just like, oh my goodness, you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And you just immediately feel this connection of, wow, we can we can get so much accomplished working together. You know, and but it is growing extremely rare. And, you know, people's lives are so busy. You know, you have kids that are at school all the time, parents that are having to work multiple jobs sometimes to make ends meet and somewhere in there the idea of okay let's sit down and talk about god let's talk about the bible or let's let's study or do a devotion together it kind of gets lost in that because of all of the busyness of life and so when you when you really look at it it's pretty rare and that's sad Mm -hmm. you know in the passage you just read from deuteronomy you know, the passage actually says to the parents, let this be in your hearts. Yes. It has to be in the parents' heart before it's imparted to the to the next generation. Right. And, um, you know, one of the things that I, I think really is burdensome for me, that's weighty for me, is the fact that we tell our children and our grandchildren, Jesus is first. You know, that is the message of the church. Jesus is first. He means more than anything and everything. And yet parents then say, by the way, your education matters most. Mm-hmm. By the way, your athletics right. means most. By the way, your hobbies mean most. And you think about it. 
they see parents on a computer scheduling, spending more time scheduling the next vacation than they do, you know, parents in God's, seeing parents in God's word. They have more conversations about the non-essentials of life Mm -hmm. versus the essential fact that we, we have to have a relationship with Jesus, which is our greatest priority. I think what happens is we live in our homes like non-Christians mm. and then expect great Christian young people to emerge right. from that environment. And, you know, I heard it said a little while back and it's true. It, and I don't say this to be coy. It's true that, you know, we fuss about the fact that God has been removed from the schools. He was removed from our homes a long time, a long time ago. before that. And I think, you know, parents that are listening to this and grandparents that are listening to this in the absence of, of parents who are doing their job, we have to be as parents, the primary disciplers Mm. we're getting ready to have Denise and I have actually talked about this. We're getting ready to have a unique conversation with our daughters. We want to sit them down and hear from their perspective, our greatest sins Mm. as parents. That's extremely rare. Like, I mean, hearing you say that sitting across from me, I'm sitting here thinking I've never, I've never seen someone else approach it that way. I mean, I'm thankfully my parents growing up, awesome parents and, and they did similar things, but in the culture now, that's rare. You, You don't have many parents that are like, Hey, I want, I want to hear how I could do better. You know, it's it's intimidating. I'm very sure of it. Yes, and we're hoping this conversation will actually be heavier hmm. than what can we do better. Right. Like we we want them to verbalize what they see in us that they would categorize hmm. as sin in our home. Um, you know, I think we live under the assumption that our kids are blind. Right that they don't see and hear the contradictions in our conversations and that they don't see the con- contradictions in our lives, but they do. Absolutely. And, you know, we we have small group time every Sunday night right after lessons. And in that small group time, you know, every week it blows me away how observant I'm. I'm with the middle school boys small group. And so we're talking about sixth graders to hear how much they observe and how much they notice about society, how much they notice about Christianity and culture itself is, is mind boggling, honestly, because I think about back when I was in sixth grade, man, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking about politics. I wasn't thinking about, uh, okay, what do morals look like in society? It, and now again, I think this is a, a lot of credit goes towards, you know, the internet and social media, this, this idea of how much information a kid can have access to, you know, now they, they know this stuff and they're Mm. very socially aware and they're aware of what's going on in their families more than a lot of parents realize. Definitely. And I think, I think the problem is this, Jonathan, I think if parents and grandparents are honest today, as they listen to this podcast over the next few days, as people are listening when, whenever they can avail themselves mm-hmm. to it. I think the way we live Monday through Saturday often disqualifies 
the message that is presented on Sunday. Right. So that it becomes Sunday morning is an exercise. It's a tradition for our family. We're going to sing these songs and then we're going to listen to this guy rant for about 35 to 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. We're going to hope he hurries up and finishes so we can get out of here. Right, so we can get some lunch and then we'll go home and watch some TV. Yeah. yeah. And I, and so here's what where I think maybe the buck stops. I think teenagers are saying, if this is just somewhere we get up and go on a Sunday morning and it doesn't change our lives, it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. it it's a meaningless practice. You know, I've, I I heard an, an interview of a, a fairly prominent uh, internet personality that they just recently walked away from Christianity. And one of the main things that he said was he was like, if I... If I don't have to believe this, then why should I? Hmm. And that's that is such the place that a lot of students are at is they don't see where the Bible is applying to other people's lives. They don't see where it applies to their own life. And so suddenly they they look at it and they evaluate it from this this way that culture is where they're like, you know, what? if I don't have to believe this, then why should I? I can do whatever I want if I don't. And then they walk away and they never had their questions answered. They didn't see it lived out at home. And suddenly everybody looks and says, how could they have walked away like this? You know, what do you think could have stopped it? And it's, you know, the thing that could have prevented it is if they had seen how the Bible had directly changed the way people were living their lives at home and leading up to Sunday all the way. Yeah. I think the pressure of there are little eyes watching Hmm. there are little ears listening and I'm going to stand before God and give an account Mm -hmm. for how I pointed them to him. Exactly. And we are the culture that is lit. We're, we're the epitome of the verse lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Uh, this generation is constantly thinking about the next experience, the next indulgence. Right. I think we've taken spiritual liberty too far. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people who once had convictions and standards, they've relaxed those so that they've let habits and behaviors become a part of their lives yep. that wouldn't have been a part of their lives um, even just a few years back. And I think what we're seeing is the harvest of what we're planting. Mm -hmm. And we're going to stand before God and give an account for that. That's a frightful thing. We should take that seriously. And, you know, I I appreciate the fact that you're trying to influence the next generation. I thank God for the work you're doing Mm -hmm. and for the investment that you're making. I heard Paul Tripp say this past week that um, so often we are only practicing behavior modification in our children's lives right. that were after their behaviors were not after their souls. Mm-hmm. And, and that's damaging in the end because you know, you're, you're wanting to adjust how they're acting first, as opposed to saying, Hey, let's, let's look at the heart yes. and, and let's, let's go after that first. Instead, you're like, ah, my student isn't acting the way that I want them to act. So what can I do? 
to force them into acting a certain way that's not an embarrassment or that's not going to be aggravating to me. And so what you're doing there is you're you're setting them up to think about works-based salvation. Okay, maybe maybe I'm not being good enough for God to love me or I'm not good enough to be a Christian. I think I am, but I'm not doing good enough apparently. And and what that in the end is doing is it's pushing them further away because they're eventually going to feel as if, you know what, this is unachievable for me. I yes. never can do good enough to actually be a Christian. And in the end, it's not even about that. It's not about becoming a perfect person. It's about the fact that you've now accepted Jesus into your life. And through Jesus, now God looks at you and says, hey, that is that is my child. You know, I understand that they're not perfect, but thankfully my son was you yes. know, and still is. And so it's so damaging to try to go after the behavior modification as opposed to saying, okay, let's, let's evaluate and look at what's happening to their soul. Right. Because that's, I mean, that we're looking at eternity at that point, not just five minutes of poor decision-making. We're looking at eternity. Yes. Well, you know, the heart of the gospel is we can't perform our way to God. Exactly. And I think so often we, we preach performance to our kids. Um, and we don't understand we're preaching performance to them while in real time we're failing in front of them <laughs> exactly on yeah. a daily basis. Uh, Paul Tripp also said we are adult versions of our children. <laughs> and so we are guilty of the very things that we are, uh, fussing at them about that we're scolding them for, you know, it's, it's like, I'm being selfish with my time. So you stop being selfish with what you're doing right now. That's invading on my, my (laughs) time. Right. right. Uh, We, we fuss at them for wanting to find pleasure when they see us constantly chasing pleasure. We, we fuss at them for all kinds of things. The, The message of the gospel is the message for the entire family that none of us will ever be good enough. Mm -hmm. Jesus was that none of us can achieve perfection. Jesus did. None of us can save ourselves. Thankfully, Jesus saves us. And we need more gospel-centered homes where those kind of conversations are continually taking place uh, in front of our children. Right. And, And I think, you know, this is something that I keep in mind when I'm, when I'm discussing things with families too, is I I don't want to always look for the negative in their situation. I I want to highlight strengths as well. You know, so like if I'm talking to some parents, I don't want to the whole time be like, Hey, these are things that need to be done better. These are things that you're not doing good enough because at that point I'm doing exactly the opposite of what should be happening in the home too. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you're constantly tearing a student down and you're constantly telling them you're not doing good enough, you're not doing good enough, then eventually they're going to stop trying because they're going to be like, you know what? I'm pretty bad at this apparently. So as opposed to always looking for where the negative is, make sure that you're looking for areas to build them up. Like, Hey, I noticed that you were really respectful to this person, or I've noticed that you've been really uh, applying yourself in your work at school. You know, good job with that. I think you're doing awesome. Because that stuff is going to mean the world to them. And it does mean the world to them. And so that's that's something I think about when I talk to parents, too, is tell them, like, hey, you know, I can tell that you've really instilled a good work, 
work ethic in your mm-hmm. student because they they love working and they do a fantastic job at it. So good job doing right, that. Right, right. You know, you've got to have the encouragement there as well. You can't constantly be tearing someone down or else they're going to start to view themselves as someone who, who can't achieve anything good anymore. Right. You know? you know, one of the things I think that's most important that I constantly tell all of our daughters, even our adult daughter, and uh, I want to reaffirm this over and over and over again. I'm not proud of you because of what you do. I'm proud of you because of who you are. Very good. Yeah. I don't accept you because of what you do. I accept you because of who you are. Mm-hmm. You are my child. You belong to me. And, uh, you know, it's sad to see the rate of uh, anxiety and depression oh, my goodness. as it grows among teenagers. You know, it's a phenomenon. The medical community is actually writing about it mm-hmm. now. Depression and anxiety is ripping our kids apart. And, um, you know, they have this constant influx of information and the beautiful people on social media Mm -hmm. and the great people and the talented people and, you know, the famous people. And there's all of this going on. And our kids are being broken under the weight of this constant just pressure to perform. Mm -hmm. And so how beautiful is it to be able to say to them, hey, the beauty of this is God perfectly loves you for who you are, not for what you do, mm-hmm. that you are his. You've been accepted by him, not because of your efforts or energy. You've been accepted by him because of the work of Jesus. I perfectly love you. God perfectly loves you. And you are forever secure in that. That's right. the message they need to hear. Absolutely. And and the other thing too is we're we're looking at teenagers now and 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 uh you know preteens and there's there's this trend moving where they they want to stick out they want to they want to be more unique and go against the flow and the grain mm-hmm. of things and you know it used to be like for me growing up I was like all I want to do is I just want to get right in the lane I need to be in right. and I'm safe in there you right know? and now you know we have this this culture of kids that they're like, we want something to be passionate about. We want something that we can, you know, almost protest for, you know, they, (laughs) they want something that's exciting and that is going against what culture is saying. And what's funny about that is that's Christianity. You look at Christianity and it is going completely against what culture is doing. And so if you can talk to a teenager and you can be like, look, man, you want something to be passionate about, that is going to make you stick out and you are going to make a difference in the world. Like if you can tap into that and fuel that man, I mean, they'll be complete world changers. So, I mean, that's, that's so exciting to me to look at is this idea of, of kids who are like, man, we, we just want to do something that's amazing and different. We want to do something that's going to make a difference and stick out because for me growing up, that wasn't my, that wasn't my group. My group was like, look, we just want to get a job. We just want to sit at the desk, like, just leave us be. You know? Yes. So well, that's I, exciting. I think that's a great note to finish on. And uh, Jonathan, why don't you pray as we're closing out today for parents and for students? Absolutely. And uh, just pray God's blessings over them because, hey, in this culture, they need it. Mm-hmm. So just, just say a prayer for them if you would. Absolutely. 
dear Heavenly Father, I just I thank you so much for today, and I thank you for this conversation we were able to have. God, I first of all want to pray for the parents. It is a tough job, and it is something that takes effort and, and concentration every day. God, I pray that they would draw close to you so that they can show their students what it means to live godly lives and to follow you. And God, I also pray for the students. They're dealing with so much in culture, and I pray that you would be with them and that you would allow them to see you in spite of all the negativity and in spite of all the drama they're surrounded by. And God, I just pray for our culture that we would see it shift towards being passionate about you and being willing to follow you regardless of what others are saying. God, I thank you for today, and I thank you for this church, and I pray that you would be with every single person here, and it's in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, today was a great conversation. Um, I wish it would go on and on and on. I think we could have this conversation for the next couple of hours. Yeah. And uh, to be honest with you, I think you know if we talked two additional hours, we would be covering new information the entire time. Uh, listen, parents, grandparents, our prayers are with you. We want the parents and the grandparents of Hope Church, this family, to be strong. That's needed. The next generation is needed. Um, we're not going to be here forever, and we want to make sure that we raise up, well, Jonathan said it a moment ago, world changers, so that the gospel would continue to go forward even when we're gone. Thank you for tuning into this episode. Hope you have an incredibly blessed day. Make sure and keep living the hope life and pointing people to our hope, Jesus Christ. God bless. Have a great day.